Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is Friday, January 20th here in Omaha, Nebraska, and man... I have assembled quite the lineup this morning. Um, I was just thinking on the drive over here as I was dodging the traffic. If Elon Musk could link your brains together for me, we would have like the equivalent of a safety quantum computer in the room today. (laughs) So I'm I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say. Um, My guest today, from that side to this side, for those of you that can actually see what we're doing here, Jim Steele of Airlight Plastics. Alec Rourke, White Castle Roofing. Is yep. it White Castle Roofing? roofing? Yep. And Aaron Anderson of the White's Company, White's Construction. Something. Good enough. You're corporate, man. <laughs> I know you're like, so that that usually means company rather than right. construction because you guys do a lot of stuff. Yep. And you're doing some amazing things. So thank you all for being here. I, I appreciate it. Sincerely appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, I do want to say thanks to all the sponsors. Their names have been announced at that at the pre-roll of the show, and uh, sincerely, I appreciate all of your help. Um, we have one patron in place now, or Patreon. I don't know. I think you call the system Patreon, and you call the actual contributors patrons. Is that a true statement? Are you, are you familiar with this? No idea. But uh, our good friend Dale Kugler, who everybody knows in the business, Dale Kugler has contributed a dollar a month <laughs> to the well-being of the of the podcast. So thank you, Dale. Twelve bucks a year. Um, I appreciate it, buddy. So I'm not an accountant and frankly, I took no accounting classes whatsoever, but we, uh, we have, we're not in the black yet, but we have slowed the red to a trickle. So things are looking good. Awesome. Appreciate it. Guys. Um, what I would really like to talk about at least to start the conversation is 2022. I had my buddy Aaron Cerrone in a few weeks ago and he asked the question, how do you d- define success when you look back on a year? What is our definition of success? And without revealing anything that is certainly, you know, private to your companies, how did 2022 go? And uh, how do you evaluate when you look back on the year? How do you evaluate your program? Anybody want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I still have a job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes, you know, in, in our world, that is a success to some degree, but. I could throw something out there. Yeah. Throw, throw, get us started, so we, Jim. We, uh, uh, we have a KPIs, key performance indicators for safety. And for each of our plants, we have plants around the country. And for each of them, we set up independent uh, key performance indicators for safety based on what they really kind of want to do. And we measure their results throughout every month. They report in on, you know, how many inspections were done, how many safety improvements were tracked to closure, how many, you know, safety committee meetings they had, things like that, uh, smart goals. And uh, so we measure those, and every month they report in on them. And so we kind of know where, how they're doing for those leading indicators. And then at the end of the year, we compare that to the lagging indicator of safety, how, how well did these, these key performance indicators affect that that lagging indicator. And the presumption is there's a connection. So the better we do here, the lower that'll be. And, and uh, have you seen that to be the case? Is that, uh, no. is there some correlation? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a really interesting question. Though. It's really hard to make the connection because it's so dubious. I mean, it's, uh, is that the right word? Dubious? Yeah. yeah vague. Just yeah. vague. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't quite. So you, you just kind of tweak and adjust. And, and at some of our plants, yeah, I think there's a direct, seems to be a direct correlation. They do really well on the key on the leading indicators and their lagging indicators weighed low. Uh, we have another plant that like nailed the leading indicators and their lagging indicators were way high. And so mm-hmm. what we do in that case, is, and do they have different key different indicators? Key, they yeah. establish their own key indicators. Right. So is there a way for you then to say, well, the, these tend to be, mm-hmm. there's a stronger correlation to the outcome? Right. Yeah, we, we, we do that. and But they ultimately have to decide because they're independently managed. They're kind of, they're, they're autonomous. Each plant's autonomous, so they get to make their own decisions. Uh, but yeah, they're open to, to, well, here's what these plants are doing. We mm-hmm. have meetings like that. We'll pull other meet plants together to talk about what they're doing and what their key performance indicators are and how they work. Mm-hmm. We do it in Zoom and, and we do Teams actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can all meet up and, and uh, talk mm-hmm. about the successes at one plan and they can mirror those to the extent that they fit into their scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how we measure it. We ended the year, the one plant that has that, they don't seem to be a real connection. They have, they did really well on the leading indicators and their lagging indicators had a lot of injuries uh, more than, than we wanted. Um, well, we didn't want any actually, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so they, so, uh, I'm planning to spend a couple of weeks out there the first part of this year, and we're going to just restructure everything and try to figure out a better plan. And we've identified some, some real problems that with the current plan and that plan and see hopefully next year we'll have a better result interesting I, yeah, I what about you guys we're, we're still looking for what are the right leading indicators to measure you know we've measured inspections done and behavior based safety percent complete and all those sorts of things and um you know I, I think that's always something you're searching for and what new technology helps drive that so you know when we look at 2022 you know a few things that we look at every year each safety committee in each of our locations around the country has their operating plan and their goals and so we're going to look and make sure that they've accomplished those and then again is there a correlation to the performance i think for us you know, when i started with whites in 2006 you know a good year was a recordable rate of like a 2.2 for our self-performed work which is mm -hmm. awful you know you're hurting 30 plus people a year it's just ridiculous and so as time has gone on our focus was really on that self-performed side of things mm -hmm. you know and there's prequal issues and everything else if you don't get it low enough and so we're really inwardly looking which is uh you know it's not like we ignored our subcontractors as a general contractor but you know if a sub cut his finger it didn't hit us as hard as if our own employee did mm -hmm. and as time has gone on we've really driven that down to the point where you know our self-performed i think our record was like a 0 0.7 you know we had on you know, two and a half million hours worked, no lost times and like five recordables or whatever this year with our self-performed work. Yeah, we're hurting a lot of subcontractors. And um, you go through our subcontractor rate was like a 0 0.8. So it's still really low, but there's still lost times in there. And so one of the things, and this kind of gets into what changes in 2023. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, one of our offices is at 4 million hours without a lost time for the self-performed work. But if you look at their subcontractor numbers, you just go, what in the world are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. And so we won't ever again share separate numbers. So when you, when I share with that office in the future, it's going to be, here's your rate subcontractors, they're people on our job sites and you shouldn't look at them any differently. So that's a little bit of a cultural shift. Mm -hmm. The other big thing for us this year, and we, we took this directly from a client is um, we are probably putting most of our focus from a lagging indicator standpoint on worst potential severity. So if you think back in the construction world, how often do you have something happen that you just got lucky yeah. and no one got hurt? You know, an equipment overturned or you hit a utility while you're digging or whatever else mm -hmm. that might be that, but for luck, someone could have been seriously. Potentially right. serious consequences. And so we've started to track our worst potential severity subcontractors, et cetera, and putting that into a rate. Because hmm. I can think of all the years you go back, it's like, look at our recordable rate. It's a 0 0.8 and no lost times and aren't we successful? And then you think back through the year, but we hit a power line and we flipped over that piece of equipment and that one subcontractor subcontractor fell eight feet you know you go through could have and been. all these things that could have been disastrous right and they just kind of get forgotten about as you go through and those are really the most important thing you know yeah, somebody man. cuts a finger and gets a couple stitches our expectation is that doesn't happen but boy, if you can drive to the big stuff and they're all preventable right and that's yeah. probably the part that's the most frustrating when you look back on it but that's you know, what did we measure this year? Well, I look at our worst potential severity rate, and that one is the one that we're really driving at. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you make that differentiation yeah. that this uh, falls into that category? Is that something yeah, that you do as a group, right. or you just have some basic criteria? It was related to a fall. Yeah, we have some was... basic criteria of, you know, fall, anything electrically related. Mm -hmm. Obviously, any you know, anything with equipment, <clears throat> equipment overturn or something sure. along those lines are going to hit that okay. worst potential severity. But when we have an incident and kind of one of the other changes this year is just kind of how we react to those. Um, so if we have an incident that happens, say in Denver, within half an hour, we want a text message to our CEO, COO, myself, et cetera, that everyone knows what's happening. Even if it's a first aid, somebody cut their finger, it goes up to that level. Mm. Within 24 hours, we have our root cause call with the project team, our COO, our CEO, the local management, to go through that. And at that point is when you make that determine, Hey, is this a worst potential severity? This is kind of like the Paul O'Neill model because Paul O'Neill, the old Alcoa CEO did the same thing. Yeah. I want to know within 24 hours what happened and what you've done to correct yeah. it. Our senior, I love that. Our senior management is extremely engaged. And that, they are. That does obviously drive performance. 
Mm -hmm. That's very fortunate to have that. That's interesting. What about you, Alex? Because you guys are all from different worlds, which Mm -hmm. is why I kind of assembled the group the way I did. General industry, large GC, huge projects, subcontractor, Mm -hmm. more regional, local activities. I mean, for us, it was, I look at... We didn't do as much leading indicators because we're kind of building into that. I started getting all of our superintendents to do daily site inspections, that kind of thing, and tracking which crews are having the worst compliance. I mean, keeping it really basic, like, are you following the site safety plan? What fall protection? Because we're roofing. The biggest thing for us is fall protection. Are you Which fall protection plan are you following? And is the crew being compliant? And I can judge and see, like, there's one of our residential crews that only hits maybe 50% compliance. So I can identify that crew to go work more with them and sit on top of them and make sure they're playing the game. And then looking at a lot of our lagging indicators, I came in almost three years ago to White Castle with a, I would say a decent injury problem. And we closed 22 out with four recordable injuries uh, over 500 days without a lost time injury. Good for you, man. And three, the one of the injuries was somebody got some, had a corneal abrasion, something in their eye, which is almost, almost, Almost unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, he had safety glasses on. He was cutting some fascia with a circular saw, got some sawdust in there. He did everything right, flushed it out, that kind of thing. There's like without wearing sealed goggles. Mm -hmm. I mean, even an office person can get something in their eye Mm -hmm. and scratch their eye. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was able to break down and get the big spreadsheet out, look at all our injuries, what time of day everything occurred. Average time of day was 1040 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Average length of employment was 15 months for an injury. Average age was like 43, which was older than the year before. So it's trying to then take the data from last year and build it into this year and see where we can identify, like, why did all our injuries occur at 1040 in the morning mm-hmm. versus later in the day the year before and working with each crew specifically. Um, our two, our other big thing is, well, we didn't have a lot of injuries. We had a lot of vehicle accidents last year. Mm-hmm. A couple of them were, yes, our fault. One of them, which was kind of one of those could have been catastrophic we had one of our dodge flatbeds roll on the interstate going 75 miles an hour after wow. the wheels the rear wheels snapped off mm. travis was able to walk away wow. not a scratch i mean he rolled a 10 12 000 pound truck no scratch we only lost a couple pieces of product everything stayed secure to the truck wow nobody else was injured i mean i raced out to the inter- out to york and found he was just standing in the median like all right let's go home so, Holy cow. but that's like you said, I worked, I report directly to the COO. So Jake knows immediately when things go on, CEO, Dane sits, my desk is right in front of his office. So everything that happens, they know immediately so we can make those changes on the mm-hmm. fly mm-hmm. and discuss them and see where but the cause is. Tell me again, the, the, what, what, what's the term you're using to describe these critical, like a worst potential severity, worst potential yeah. severity. It's so you calculate that like, separate, separately yeah, or SIF, you know, mm-hmm. same, sure, a SIF, absolutely. Right? But yes, we have a separate rate mm-hmm. for worst potential severity incidents. Mm-hmm. And we break that down by office and Interesting. I find that really interesting because I, you know, as I, as I've kind of been reading and evolving in my uh, perception of how this is supposed to be happening, there's a lot of emphasis placed on that. Um, and as a former OSHA guy, no disrespect intended, I'm going to say, <laughs> we spend a lot of time focusing and worrying about trivial shit that really doesn't matter, you know, and, and that emphasis has forced the hand of so many employers and contractors to also focus on those things. And we lose those SIF issues. Just like you said, Aaron, if no, there, if there wasn't a bad outcome, we almost just like, whoo. Yeah. And, and ignore, forget about it, right. you know, and that's really terrifying. And um, yeah, it's something we've been guilty of every very long yeah. time. Of- yeah. And it's not our, I, I think yeah. we've been kind of forced in that direction to some extent, you know, yep. did you check the fire extinguishers this month? Um, who checked the fire extinguisher? I mean, this is the one I've kind of focused on recently, but I see a lot of time and effort put into checking the fire extinguisher, make sure that little arrow is in the green and then writing your initials on it and walking right by, you know, we even, we even went to the point back in June or July where we used to have, you know, every superintendent will do a weekly document and inspection of the pro and it was all check the fire extinguishers, check all the, we just stopped that. Mm-hmm. We said, obviously, you still need to inspect your jobs. They're out there every day. They're capturing their observations on Procore and on their daily logs. So I have no worries as far as like from an ocean inspection. Are you 
doing your inspections. That's happening. But we said, stop checking boxes on that. Go out. And we want all of you, when the subcontractors are doing their JSAs, we want you out there reviewing them. We want you going out and checking them, you know, and put up the posters of if there's one critical thing is we you know, call them high risk activities of anything with electrical trenching, fall protection equipment. We want those identified on the two week look ahead, on the one week look ahead, talked about in the during the weekly subcontractor meetings, identified every day of what's happening today that's a high-risk activity. Is the JSA in place? Do they have the right plan? Have you reviewed it? That Put your time there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is what's going to stop someone from being seriously injured or killed on our jobs, not checking the fire extinguishers. I, I totally we'll still get agree. out and do that. Yeah, those it needs are, to be done. Those are important. I'm not but, suggesting to ignore that. But, but it's not where you focus right. your time. And your whole life is high-risk activities. Oh, yeah. Your guys are always in high-risk activities, I mean, driving I mean, and on a roof. That's the thing is the two leading causes of fatal work injuries are driving in falls. And, I mean, we drive <clears throat> company wide on average 50,000 miles a month during the peak season. Mm. And now we're the whole region. And that's always my big fear is getting that call. Like, I always have the GPS pulled up on my phone and watch the trucks, especially when I get home in the night. I'm like, I want to make sure everybody gets home. <laughs> like, when the snow yeah. started the other day, I was the last person to leave the office because we had one truck that was coming back from Omaha. I wanted to make sure he came back, mm-hmm. but it's, it's focusing on those. And one of the things that it, I read it recently that there was, it looked at companies with lower dart rates and lower injury rates could often have these higher SIF incidences Yes, because, and trying to find the correlation between why that happens. And so like now that I've brought our dart rate down to 50% of roofing average, I'm like, what, like, it's not an if, but a when and that's the unfortunate truth in roofing. I mean, we have 200 guys in the field during the summer and we're looking some of our jobs this summer. We're looking at roofs over hundred, hundred feet tall. And that's one of my, like the it's local, Jim's neighborhood. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I mean, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing a bunch of stuff on campus in Lincoln and then some in Omaha that it just, that's my fear is those taller stuff, even though 20% of fatal falls are under 10 feet. Mm-hmm. You still think that's about just those tall roofs. Yeah. Tall roofs don't scare me as much. People yeah, tend to be a little bit more attentive. Yeah, uh, see the, people see the pay more you know, deeper trenches. I have less issues with than seven mm-hmm. foot deep trenches. Right. Yeah, you know, tall roofs. But and are they yeah, traditional? Are these yeah. flat roofs or low yeah. slope type yeah. things? Most of them all the low slope. The, the low slope ones are the tall ones. Although I mean, we have been doing a lot of apartment buildings lately. So you're talking forty feet. You got all your all your steep slope guys on a forty mm-hmm. foot roof. Um, the one I did have this summer when I went out to check a job down in Beatrice and I was really hammering my guys on Beatrice because OSHA was hammering Beatrice on mm-hmm. StormCon emphasis. Right, right. So I went down to pull up on a crew. It was a little single story old farmhouse. Oh, the whole crew was sitting up on the peak. None of them had the ropes on. And as I pulled up and parked, I got out and I walked. And as I walked around the side of the house, they were all on the ground picking up trash. I walked back around to the front of the house and I walked to the other side of the house. The ladder was on the front of the house. My whole crew jumped off the roof because they knew I caught them without fall protection. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I was like, there is no way you got down. I I see the ladder. The ladder's right in front of me, And I was just like, what are we doing? Like, it's one thing, like, you guys already know you're caught. Trying to play this off, I was like, that could have gone a million bad ways. Like, like, we're not doing that. Right. That's and and. Look, man, I'm not here to beat you up about this stuff. We need to figure out why this is so difficult. I mean, when you had mentioned earlier that the different crews have different rates of compliance. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that go into that. And it, and, and that interests me because I think, you know, the work is different every day. Yep. And so, and, and the nature of the roofing act work might, might drive someone to believe that fall protection isn't very useful here, or at least isn't very easy under these circumstances. There's a lot that goes into that, the context of it. That's really challenging. I've met with our superintendent recently, one of our head superintendents would be like, what type of harness would make them want to, like, if we're going to get a nicer harness with more padding with the waist belt, would that get them to wear the rope and harness more often? I mean, they know they all request more on steeper roofs. They can use it for positioning, but that's the problem I get a lot of times is they'll they'll have the rope, they'll have the harness to be up on the roof, but they're not connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What can I do? so that you will be compliant. Mm-hmm. What can I do to make it easier for you? Yeah, it's interesting too. I mean, just specifically to roofing, I can think of multiple roofing contractors that we don't take bids from anymore because of their safety, whether it's, you know, too many serious safety violations mm-hmm. or like, we're just not doing that anymore. It's a really unique opportunity you have too, as far as if you could set yourself apart as the safest roofer mm-hmm. uh, from a business perspective, opportunities that open up to you would just be astounding mm-hmm. people would pay more for you know especially yeah. larger gcs on bigger projects that was our more for that our big mm-hmm. thing is our our moderate went way high 
um, last year because we had lost a couple of years with really bad injuries before I started. And then half I started halfway through 2020 and had 20 injuries that year, including one fall. And I found like getting our moderate down to about a 1.0 for this year was a big thing because the same thing is we couldn't bid those, contra- those contracts. And I was telling the guys the year before in 2021, like, here's the deal. It's not just getting hurt that affects you. It's, if if we continue to have these injuries, our insurance company will have trouble, and then we won't get jobs. We will not be able to bid these jobs, and if we don't bid jobs, you don't have jobs. Yeah, I, I don't know that that there's a riffer I can think of that we quit using due to you know a recordable rate, mm-hmm. but their ability to tie off with 100 percent certainty. Yeah. That's all I. That's my. That's the focus. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't, if we can't find someone that does that, then we're just not going to bother with it anymore. Right. Super pain to have yeah. there. Yeah. What do you guys have? You guys identified like those critical activities? I mean, do you focus on those things too? These that we consider really dangerous. We do well. We um, we have machine guarding for us and lockout tag out mm-hmm. is is kind of top of the game for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's fall protection issues that come up when you have to crawl around on top of the machines. Uh, and our safety manager Abby Cherney, you know Abby, mm-hmm. um, set up a. We, we had a pretty good fall protection plan, but we had compliance issues that people just didn't want to do it. And one of the things she did was allowed them to pick their own uh, fall protection equipment. And so they all huddled up and figured out which one do we want. And and she went out and purchased the, <laughs> the ones that those guys wanted and that they thought they would wear just to remove that as an excuse. Well, it doesn't fit. It chafes me here, you know, <laughs> right. that kind of stuff. And it I, clashes with my eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Know. So she removed those those reasons for not uh, using it. Yeah. Uh, but we do, uh, we track, uh, we have what's called a safety improvement status tracking process. It's just a process for tracking things all the way through to correction, which works well in general industry. For construction, it's got to be fixed now or it all changes by the time you come back. But in our industry, uh, it'll stay there and it'll re- keep recurring until you track it through to correction. And so we, we do that. And then we have a, we have a, a gravity of the hazard indication on there. There's a high, high, uh, Gravity was was it high greater, high lesser? It's kind of mm-hmm. like OSHA similar does. to the OSHA. Yeah, it's, it's, it's modeled on the OSHA uh, risk assessment risk codes, assessment, yeah. right? And so they're all lined up according to that, so you can pull those up. They also have target they have uh, target dates, which is what's next and by when. Uh, so it's not when is it going to be completely done because sometimes it's such a big project, people go, well, "I'll never be able to get that done." But you can take the next step towards completion, right? And you get people to focus in on that little step, and then before they know it, they've taken ten little steps and they've finished, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we track things that way. I'm not sure if that gets to your question, but mm-hmm. but but those things are lined up. And so when we're looking uh, at our monthly safety meetings at the things that are still outstanding, uh, if something's fallen behind on that that uh, that target date and it's a high gravity, those are the ones that we tend to uh, pull our attention mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. So. I, so one of the things that I, I have always hoped that this would become was an opportunity for listeners to send questions or comments or or even make suggestions, things that they've tried that have been useful. And I got a question last week, and I think I actually let you guys know this before we assembled that um, Mike with, uh, I won't say the company, I guess that's not irrelevant, but he was asking about how we uh, handle non-routine tasks. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is an interesting question. OSHA, of course, has described non-routine tasks in the hazard communication standard. You have to have a way to address non-routine tasks. I think they're specifically referring to any type of chemical tasks mm-hmm. when you you know when you're using something that you're unfamiliar with, perhaps. But it it applies to everything. And I think there there has been some data that suggests that non-routine tasks tend to have different consequences or at least different rates than our routine activities. I don't know if that's, I'm not quoting from a study or anything, but do you do, you and I have talked about this many times. Do you do things specifically for non-routine tasks or is it driven by that severity issue or both? Yeah. So it's like when I think of non-routine tasks and just kind of, I'm guessing your chemicals stay pretty consistent, you know, Mm -hmm. they're in roofing, in the construction world, chemicals isn't usually a huge, mm-hmm. the big mm-hmm. issue, right? Every now and then there's something unique, an epoxy or something, and you go through and that you plan for, you review the safety data sheet. If there's a strange respirator question, I'll call you because <laughs> right, I trust right. myself with it. <laughs> right. But yeah. for us, the non routine tasks are uh, rework and warranty work. Okay. So, you know, we had, um, you know, so you start thinking about, 
you know, we had a roofer come out in March, the big crew comes out, they do great. And now they come back to do some warranty work in July and they send their warranty people mm -hmm. who probably are on five roofs a day. Mm -hmm. And so your crew in March does a great job tying off the warranty people come back in July and who knows. And so it's that and mm. rework is always a struggle. People hate doing stuff for the second time right, right, and, they, right. and they want to go fast. And so mm -hmm. for us, you know, we still expect all the JSAs and everything to be in place, but I also get worried about warranty work when the project has reached completion, but somebody has to go back. And so we did put together a warranty rework, just a checklist of if mm. you have this stuff happening, do you still have the competent person in place? Is the plan still, you know, do they still have everything Mm -hmm. that they mm -hmm. had and you know specific to roofing you know we made some changes after fall this year um we expect all of our roofs to be secure so mm -hmm. if you have a stair tower we want a gate on it and a padlock and signs and everything else the warning line it's terrible when the roofer takes their warning line but there's still five of the trades that have yeah. to get up on that roof to mm -hmm. end, buy that thing out either mm -hmm. put up our own and tell the roofer to exclude it or to, mm -hmm. hey roofer we'll pay x amount leave those things up there for three months and come back for them Mm -hmm. later you know some of the you know we mm -hmm. make sure you have a permanent anchor point so trying to plan for those things yeah. and just identifying them is a big part of it so mm -hmm. that for us with the non-routine tasks that's probably the biggest is interesting. That, that is work type of stuff yeah just definitely looking down the line i wonder mm -hmm. if, if too I, it just occurs to me is that that people that would not do it right the first time because they didn't have time to do it right the first time so now they got to come up with time to do it right the second time yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah that 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 type of work ethic is what leads to injuries anyway yeah, with a lot of kinda. small su smaller subs especially so you know we do large projects but we also do small you know we have special project groups so we kind of do stuff of all sizes and a lot of the time with the subcontractor they have a different crew to come back and address those yeah. warranty things than mm -hmm. they do for the production and so you have all this training and you know people you, you know we have a lot of times too where you you worry where did they work at before mm -hmm. you know yeah. you have a roofing crew come out sorry you're just sitting here you know you have the roofing crew that you put all the time in before and made sure they had a competent person and they show up and they'd have fall protection so you stand them down until they, you know all the stuff mm -hmm. and then who knows who comes back Right. Two months later to do the, you know, fix well, oftentimes we do know else. who that person is yeah. and in different companies yeah. it it becomes that person right. for a reason, either an expertise or an inability to do something, whatever that is. I've seen that yeah. in my world before as well. Making sure you have enough staff. You know, we, uh, one of the terms we use a lot over the last year is just span of control of how do you keep, how do you make sure we have enough of our staff, enough safety managers, enough competent people securing job sites having cameras up that you are feel like you have your arms around that entire job site and there aren't things happening in the corners that you're not aware of and that's we haven't solved that yet and that's on this year's operating plan is mm -hmm. really setting here's the standard for do you have to have a gate to go in you know the largest jobs have large jobs are going to have a gate and you have a pass and you know exactly who's on site well it's hard to do on a you know smaller school remodel type of mm -hmm. scenario so interesting that's one of the there's a technology couple technologies we're looking at with that too so. interesting and i love that phrase you used what's going on in the corners yeah <laughs> the out of the line of sight to some degree either monitoring or visual or whatever or just you know unsupervised yeah. like you said the the rework yeah. and stuff and like that you know we've pushed that every job site has to have cameras moving forward so we had uh, one of our projects in denver and on their own put a really good camera system in and they had a scaffold frame fall from like the fourth floor Ooh. and it was captured on captured on video and was actually ended up being a success because they had put a ton of effort into barricading the areas below. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a forming system. It's right on the edge of the right on the edge. You know, there's no way to control it other than by hand. And so they had everything barricaded below the doorways were blocked off. They had a full time wow. spotter just watching to keep people out of that area. So as you captured on video, you also see that it landed in a spot that was they, designed for that right they had taken that into account and stuff but the you know it's one of those where he said man you could write this up a hundred ways and people read it and go, yeah. but we sent the video mm -hmm. and so when that goes out to the company they look at that and go oh that's wow. something that's i should be replicating right <laughs> oh, that's, sure that's, that that's terrific, man. really really good yeah, that's so, terrific. Uh, and, uh, we're not there yet but that's the push to have I those think out that, there you know all of the stuff that i've been reading talks about failing as safely as possible. Mm -hmm. When we do have errors that are inevitable, that we have a soft landing. And what you've mm -hmm. just described, I heard Conklin, he told a similar story to that, was more picking and moving with a crane, but mm -hmm. a rigging failed and, and the load dropped into that designated area where no one was permitted to be, yep. and it worked. Yep. And so I'm not sure we consider that a failure. Actually, 
this might be a success that you really trumpet, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it worked and this is why. So that's interesting. Now, what about, um, you're kind of talking about more cameras, more visibility. Are, are you looking at any new technologies? You, you use a lot of interesting mm-hmm. technology. Um, anything new for 2023 that you're considering implementing or trying or you're always, I got a few things, but you're always tampering and trying new things. I I love that. We started using in late 22 was an app called fall safety pro. One of my biggest fears is in the big projects is we've developed a large service team service Mm -hmm. groups. We have guys out solo all over Mm -hmm. and now in Colorado and South Dakota, and they travel as far as, North Dakota, Illinois, that kind of thing. And they're out by themselves. And I think, what if they fall and something happens? I mean, a lot of the time they're going up and they're doing an inspection. We have a service contract. We have to go out and do all these inspections. So they're not going to be tied off doing an inspection, a large church, but you still have that potential for falls. So with the fall safety pro, it's just an app on your phone that detects a fall. Hmm. So you can set up check-ins and that kind of thing. But the primary thing I got it for was it detects the fall. So if it detects a fall, it'll immediately notify me. So-and-so has fallen. Then it starts a timer on their phone that I can set anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. That if they don't hit, I'm okay in 30 seconds, it notifies me again with their GPS location. And I can call for emergency services. I can also set up to have monitoring where they will automatically call emergency services as well as their phone starts playing a loud siren. And trying to get that, because that's just my biggest thing that keeps me up. Oh, is yeah, I got man. these guys out all over. Like, I know how to handle it around here, but if they're in rural Nebraska or some other place. And that's called Fall Safety Pro. Mm-hmm. And it's just an app that yeah. you've you've purchased? You, it's, so there, you, each the app itself is free, but I think we pay like $10, $10 or $15 per month per user that mm-hmm. actually uses mm-hmm. it. But. So this is, a, that could be, there's a lot of applications for oh, that. Oh, yeah. The loan there's worker like applications. There's the loan worker applications. They have a, a few loan worker ones, and you can press SOS on your phone. I can mm-hmm. send designated check-ins so that they have to check in at the job mm-hmm. site and at certain periods. Like an alarm will go off and mm-hmm. they have to touch it. Yep. I love that, man. And the yeah, best was, a, there was one day I just tossed my phone in the, because it's on my phone, so I tossed <laughs> my phone in the passenger seat. And I'm like, what is that siren going off? And I look down at my phone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. But uh-huh. it. It, but it, it works. It yeah, does work. Yeah. yeah. Just checking. Yeah. But it's getting, making sure the guys have it. So we're still kind of playing with it the best way to use it, but that's trying to get them. Cause we have, we use company cam that was developed in partnership with white castle so that they're taking pictures. So I know as soon as they get to a job site, but it's, they could be at a job site for how long we, in fact, it was last year, maybe late 2021. One of our, he's been with white castle for 20 years. His brother works for another roofing company. And as a sales guy, he went to step off the roof to get on his ladder and missed a step and fell 15 feet on his head Mm. and was airlifted. And it's one of those things like that routine thing, just getting onto a ladder Mm -hmm. and that simple thing. And the only one of the things that saved him is he, for that reason, for whatever reason, reason that day, he had somebody with him. Mm -hmm. He was at a house in Ashland there. Nobody else was around. Which was unusual. Yeah. And if, if he hadn't been with somebody that day, he wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. He was airlifted to Omaha and he had a traumatic brain injury and he's doing fine oh, now. Good, good. But if he had not had somebody with him that day, that would have been it. And that app would have at least worked no, under yeah, those circumstances. You would have been not, aware yeah. and you could have mobilized some yeah. services. Is there any drones or anything to, to inspect rather than sending up a person? We've a experimented to... more with it. The problem is, is you got to get FAA license to do it, mm-hmm. which isn't hard. It's just getting somebody to take the test would and, go through the FAA training because if you use it for commercial use mm-hmm. and I know there are other roofing companies that are, and we have a couple of people that can and we use it a lot for marketing. In which case when they call me, Hey, we're going to go fly a drone. I have to go to that job site and make sure everything is kosher. Cause we're not, I'm not mm-hmm. putting anything out of marketing. That's mm-hmm. for guys yeah. wearing ropes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it used to make me call companies yeah. when she would see advertisements that showed something yeah. that was non-compliant. I want you to call them. I was like, and do what? <laughs> Tell them not to do that. Yeah. It was an actor. But uh, it's, yeah. it's one of those things like, yeah, a drone, like to get people off the roof, you can do a great evaluation with, from a drone. There are some things you will miss, but for a lot of stuff, you could do a lot with a drone, even just kind of a progress picks, early inspection, basically like a, go to a house that might have hail damage. You can see hail damage with a drone. So. Mm-hmm. And the system you yeah. just, what, what did you call the camera? Company cam. Company cam. So you are 
you're, as you mentioned before, I think your superintendents are taking photographs at different stages of the project every, so you every, can verify mm -hmm. stuff. Everybody is. It starts with the salesman and goes all the way to the service techs at the end where, so you, that's how you clock in on the jobs, take your picture to start, progress pictures throughout the day, progress pictures of your safety setup at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. Before you start. Before you set up. And anchorages then, and things mm -hmm. and fall protection. And, and so then you can turn around and send reports to contractors, to homeowners. I can yell at them from my computer. I can mm -hmm. comment and be like, where's your rope on in this picture? Mm -hmm. so, Interesting, yeah. You always hope to learn something when you come to these yeah. two. I know we, you know we do the large house. We also have industrial work where there's two people out on their own and mm -hmm. We'll have to talk after with some of these because we don't mm -hmm. apply any technology to that. So that's a good one. Well, what do you got in yeah. store for 23, man? You're always yeah, so, working on, you're like a mad scientist. Uh, well, you're always working on something. They always come from other people. I just say, that's a good idea. Don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, so the big ones this year. So right now we're transitioning to helmets from hard hats. We're far from the first general contractor, but um, those all came in over the last couple of weeks. So all of our employees will be in those here by the end of the month. Mm -hmm. So it just, I can go back to two or three different times through the years where Somebody the fell. back of the head protection. Yeah. Chin strap, whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. like the, and we went with the Studson and some Milwaukee's, but mm -hmm. the, the technology is really fascinating. The ones we chose have a RFID tag that you can put your emergency contact. So if somebody's having a medical issue, you can scan it with your phone and know everything about them. So moving to that. Um, and then we're requiring it for all subcontractors by the end of the year also. So every <sighs> new contract that goes out, will say put money in, you will be wearing helmets. Uh -huh. our projects by the end of the year. So our employees, not much pushback one year, one there, but uh, subcontractors, that'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be hard for us. I mean, I know cause I've, I've seen it and I've talked about other guys and that was the injury that happened to me before I started was a guy who fell off a ladder and fell back and hit his head on the ground. Traumatic brain injury. His heart hat fell off. I can't yeah. think of many trades that should be wearing one more than roofers. Yeah. So and that's be when they're on the roof, on the, on a flat roof, there's nothing flying above them, not much room to wear hard bat. They go through the roof. We do wall panel installation, a lot of stuff where we do crane flying. But it's I know it's coming for us trying to get, because I know we can get hard hats for $11 a piece. Mm -hmm. Helmets are a lot more. But mm -hmm. So we're interesting. Yeah, so we're going to that. That's probably the most tactical. Uh, we've been using the Make You Safe devices for nice. the last year. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. my, my, what I always kind of tell people is, you know, safety kind of moves and fits and starts to me, you know, 10 years ago, if you're doing BBS and JSAs, you were way ahead of the curve. Now, <laughs> right. if you compare our safety pro, just being realistic, if you compare ours to other large GCs, we all look pretty similar. We have different names for it, everything, but it's all mm -hmm. kind of the same mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, to me, probably the next big leap is going to be the wearables. And I just, I can't imagine within five years that it isn't just common. And so the one that we found this make you safe, there's a lot that look at like one thing, you know, body motion, whatever the make you safe does look at, um, heat stress, falls, trips, mm -hmm. uh, exertion, light levels, all kinds of different things in a device that you wear on your arm. Mm -hmm. So our biggest push with that right now is just figuring out getting people to wear. Mm -hmm. So we're working through that right now. And then we, just this data, there's yeah. so much it's data hard, generated. Hard to Are you able to, we, you'd, what we're finding is it needs to be on projects where we have a full-time safety manager mm -hmm. and somebody that can really monitor that data and do yeah. something with it. So that one, we'll stick with that. I do think that just becomes common as time I, goes I on. I do too. I think that is a direction that we're all going to be moving. Yep. So and Make You Safe obviously is a sponsor of the program. Yeah. I love them and I love the technology. And um, it's interesting because, again, I refer back to the guys that I read. They talk about the, the necessity to understand work that is done successfully. Yep. We all focus on, you know, when we have work that deviates from the expected, those are the issues that we deal with typically, but until you understand how work is done successfully, it's really difficult yeah. to modify that. Yep. And so, so make what better way to know how work is done successfully yeah. than have data on it. Yeah. We're, I don't know if we're still the only, but we're the first construction company to be using it. Most of it was more in the general industry, but I, I'm a big believer in the technology. And my big push now is let's get a, a few job sites, a hundred percent, everybody wearing them every day. And let's really Did make use of the data. And, you know, as yeah, opposed to works. one here, there, two there. Mm -hmm. um, the other one that we're going to be starting with is a company called MindForge, And so, one of the big challenges you have on a job is, you know, you tell the foreman something for the subcontractor and you hope that information gets to their people. 
and you know it becomes a telephone game of who knows what they heard you right know? right and so you're like i told them and but did <laughs> you and so this one we're going to start we have a school project coming up here in omaha that we're going to use it on and then a couple others and i i was very adamant that we're only trying it on jobs without a full-time safety manager okay because one of my challenges or worries is the large jobs with safety staff and everything just keep getting better and do the smaller jobs without I don't want that gap to widen. So mm-hmm. kind of at the point of, I really don't want us to try any technology that can't be used everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the MindForge is an app and it goes on the worker's phone. And when they get up to the trailer, they scan a QR code and then it populates. So like the orientation video, instead of sitting in our trailer and doing it, they watch it on their phone, mm-hmm. take the quiz, send it in. And so that's a time saver for our superintendents. But what I'm really excited about is that the superintendent then can send out information to everyone on the job site or just to subsets. Mm-hmm. So they could be walking through and see, hey, this is exactly what we want a cut station to look like. Mm-hmm. They can take a quick picture and goes to everyone on site mm-hmm. and emergency communications. But I think there's going to be some really good quality applications wow. with it too. Love it. As far as here's how, you, here's how you install a window. Mindforge. Yeah, mind so you can actually put instructions and you can upload training too. So we're looking forward to like constructions. Yeah. So like we have silica training and for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, the emphasis on that from a lot of our subs seems to have faded (laughs) Faded a little bit over the last couple of years. So you're constantly OSHA's interest seems to have faded a little bit perhaps. Yeah. We have our silica training. It's 20 minutes and Mm -hmm. we could upload that onto there. And so if you have a crew struggling, you could just shoot it right to them and say, stop. Mm -hmm. Just a quick reminder. And then it documents that they've completed it in a little quiz and Mm -hmm. goes back. So. I have high hopes for it. I'm, I'm I, I love that well. mind forge. And yeah. this is the guy that introduced me to QR codes other than Mexican restaurants <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the application that we have. And I, I was at a location not too long ago. I saw a QR code that was that directed you to SDSs. Mm-hmm. I took a picture of it, sent it out on LinkedIn and I'll bet it got 30,000 views. I mean, yeah. people are really embracing this yeah. ability to utilize these document management systems. And somebody questioned the of how OSHA would apply to it. And we had an OSHA inspection, a complaint-based inspection at our warehouse last year. And for me, that was, I'm, I'm a 1926 guy. This was a mm-hmm. 1910 inspection. It was a terminated employee who called in, but of course, one, like one of the things was how do you like, he did the usual OSHA inspector question, show me an SDS sheet for this product. So my warehouse manager walked up, scanned the code. No shit. It's on my phone. Good. Yeah. Good. I, I always, in the past, I was always really nervous about anything you asked an individual to put on their personal phone. Right. And yes. That, that comes up. You know, that comes up. And we haven't had a lot of issues with that. I think what really changed it was COVID, frankly, yeah. mm-hmm. because so many of our job sites, you had to do a daily uh, mm-hmm. questionnaire of are right. you healthy? It was all QR code based and people just mm-hmm. got used to. So they became less that. resistant to that. And I think unlimited data plans are a lot more common in the world too. So <laughs> right. don't stress about you're using that. Right. So yeah. But that used to be an argument. It's Not everyone would be willing to do that. It helps with us because we require them to use a phone. So if they don't want to put it on their phone, we, they, we give them a work phone because so, mm-hmm. we have to make them use company cam. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing with our SDS sheets is it's, it's a Google drive folder. So you don't have to install anything on your phone. It'll open up a web link. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we haven't run into an issue yet. I mean, we've done a couple of prison jobs where only one person has a phone. But to me, as long as some there is a yeah, phone man. there, you have access. Because even if you had an SDS binder on site, it's going to take time to get to I it know. on the construction yeah. site. I, 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 I shouldn't say this, but I would not let a fear that OSHA might not allow or accept or un- understand these. I, I wouldn't let that inhibit me from trying these mm-hmm. new things because – the industry evolves much faster than the regulatory agency, you know? So right. if it works, embrace it. If your employees are good with it, I mean, we'll figure that other part out, mm-hmm. but yeah, I always say that, yeah, you gotta, uh, if, if you've, if you're controlling the hazard to an acceptable level of risk, then you find out whether or not it meets the OSHA standard. Right. If it doesn't, yes. maybe you tweak it a little bit so that it does. But the main thing is just controlling the hazard. to an acceptable Yeah. Level but the order, risk. that's the order right. identify and control that hazard. And then let's figure out how we can make it compliant yeah. if we need to tweak it a little bit, but right. just like your employees, I, I love the fact that employees are so incredibly adaptive. They will, you will give them a task give them a work environment. They're going to figure out a way to get the product out. And sometimes what they do is really incredibly insightful and useful. Sometimes it's not. So we might have to 
pull it back a little bit, but man, they are just really adaptive. And so um, let's figure it out and then we'll kind of tweak the compliance side of it rather than let's just try to be compliant, you know, black and white, and then you just make it work somehow, which is difficult. Yeah. What do you got? You got anything new and exciting? Not can you technology. can you match any of this technology no, that's like why I'm this? Sitting here with my jaw. Like, wow, that's <laughs> right. a great idea. <laughs> I totally, as will every listener. I mean, yeah. or at least. Yeah. You know, so we're really not not really. I was I thought about when I was coming over here, but it sounds lame now compared to that. Is is just Microsoft Teams has. I don't mm -hmm. know if you do much with that, but if you have that as a as a tool on your computer, that there's a lot of features in there that that you don't realize. Like what? There. Well, one of the things is we set it up in Teams, and so I have all of my groups set up in Teams. And within that, you can do forms, as an example, mm -hmm. with QR codes. So you can set up inspections that are very specific, create a QR code, and post that. Um, and we have them at a couple of our plants. We're rolling this out further and further. But uh, you just go up, and I'm, am I a director? Yes. You QR code that, and that's a director's inspection. Oh. And if I'm a manager, you QR code that one, and it's a manager's inspection. If you're a safety committee, you QR code that one, and it's a And that is a team's inspections. function. Yeah, and it's in teams. You can just okay. set up forms, and, and, and so you can tailor it specifically to what you want them to look for. And the thing I like about it, like about that, is that if suddenly we realize we do want to check the fire extinguishers because they're not, mm -hmm. so then I can just add that as mm -hmm. one of the little check marks. And once we get to 100% on that, then I can just take it off. That mm -hmm. it looks like we're on top of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's... Yeah, we're, we're using the QR codes, too, just uh, with our wellness efforts. So mm -hmm. we had uh, a larger owner that required us to have a wellness coordinator on the site. So really? Full-time wellness on site. On site. On site. And Who required this? Uh, one of our owners. Okay. Project owner? Yeah. yeah, one of the project owners. We were required to have full-time wellness. And wow. At first, we were like, well, <laughs> no energy is, drinks. Yeah. First, That's right. Yeah. Exactly. At first, we were like, well, this is just, you know, old yeah. school construction thought. Like, well, this is silly. Right. And... Um, we and honestly, the first couple people we hired to be the on-site wellness coordinator, it didn't work. And then we hired the right person. You got the right and person. Unbelievable the difference it made on that project. So really? she really? had her, yeah, she had her own little office in the big lunch break area, and you know would offer. You know, she led stretch and flex every morning, and so stretch and flex turned into yoga. Mm -hmm. And so here's 400, 500 people all doing, you know, all these yoga stretches. As <laughs> no to downward dog. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to just touch your toes. And people loved it. And Did she they? became a resource for if you wanted your blood pressure checked or whatever else. It was just huge. And so we actually have hired her now to be the wellness manager for the company. No kidding. Saying, okay, what you did there? Let's try and get that out. And let's what is it she did that that generated the interest? What? How did she um, do that? So I think part of it is we had everybody. We, you know, we bring everybody together in the morning mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. stretch and flex and safety moment and all those sorts of things. And she, very dynamic mm -hmm. in front of everyone. It is so personality driven. Walk yeah. the job site every day, mm -hmm. talking to people. How are you feeling? And people, you know, the word Good got advice. out that she's a genuine person, mm -hmm. and, and it worked really well. So now trying to replicate that company wide, you know, there's some challenges mm -hmm. with that that we're working through, but said, we want stretch and flex to look like this everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we want, the, and so the other issue we had to me, like with the wellness side is it's really easy to do like, we're all going to drink water challenges, but that only goes to the people email. Mm -hmm. and, right, you know, right. And so that's the other piece <laughs> of how do you get that same, same, uh, same push with your hourly staff. Mm -hmm. And so we're using QR codes with that up around the job site. And we mm -hmm. do wellness Wednesdays as a toolbox talk, but um, that information going out directly. And then we also have right now we've had, you know, mental health is a huge issue mm -hmm. in construction. No one ever talks about it, suicide rate and everything else. So we actually have updated our crisis management plan to include mental health reaction. And here's our process. Mm -hmm. Here's who you call, here's your resources. And she's doing, training right now with all the managers in the company of how do you respond to a mental wow. health crisis so Fantastic. it's it's something a little bit different that i'd have never thought we mm -hmm. have done even that would, that would be ago. on the horizon but yeah but it's brings, here we are brings great value story. so oh man and and yeah i mean even you know even the idea of employee engagement and getting them truly involved yeah. has to go beyond what our typical yeah. view of safety mm -hmm. into these yeah. mental health wellness it's, it's far, and it's far from perfect and we haven't gotten it everywhere we want to but making the effort I love something it. you said that hit my ear was just that 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 uh everybody kind of got the feeling that she cared about them right mm -hmm. that that she genuinely gave a damn mm -hmm. and i think that's the hurdle that safety professionals have mm -hmm. to overcome is i'm not here to beat you up i'm not here to you know criticize i'm, I'm here because i really genuinely care mm -hmm. and then from that place you can get people's discretionary energy people will give you you know what they're required to plus something 
Mm-hmm. And that's the hurdle. If, if they believe that you are sincere. If they, yeah, if they I think agree. you're sincere and you and you're as sincere as you can pretend to be. <laughs> right. And hey man, everybody everybody deserves a beating once in a while, but like my old man used to say, I'm beating you because I love you. It's going away from the old, like we've talked about before, don't like be the safety cop. cop. Right. You're not a safety cop. You need to be a resource. You need to be somebody who's there. Right. You don't want them to be afraid when you show up. Right. Jump off the roof on the yeah, back. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, and that's the thing. It's for the most part, I have a lot of the crews, like, they, as soon as they see me park, they're yelling, like, oh, like, is it excited? Like, Alex is here. Not that's like, right. oh, God, everybody put the ropes on, yeah. which mm-hmm. still does happen. A- but getting that buy-in from that's a big evolution man. and like getting them. So, Hey, Alex, here's what's going on. And like, like I'm trying to get the early intervention thing versus, then that's mm-hmm. where it really helped out this year. So we had guys like, Hey, my back's bothering me. I have resources for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's versus, Hey, I can't get up. My back hurts. So, mm-hmm. bad. so Yeah. I have that problem. I've been, <laughs> I, yeah, I messed my back up like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been going to a PT, um, Andrew Nelson for anybody that's interested, but, <laughs> I've been doing that dry needling. You ever have mm-hmm. the dry needling done? He does yeah. like the dry needling and cupping where he's like mm-hmm. moving those blood deposits around. And I can't see it because it's my lower back. Maybe he's not doing anything as far as, <laughs> but um, it's given me quite a bit of relief. Yeah. So uh, shout out to my buddy, Andrew. And um, if you have back issues, you know, let me know. I'll get you his contact information. We had kind of a unique one kind of near the end of our prime roofing season because we used HTB visa program. So we get group of guys up from mexico from april 1st and then in november so one of the visa guys it was the week before thanksgiving hurt his back couldn't move was really hurting problem was he was going back to mexico in 10 days if i push him through the, the traditional workers comp process he won't get seen by somebody he needs to get seen by before he goes home mm-hmm. so it was i put him through telehealth first he was a 53 year old older mexican fellow who was kind of like talking to somebody on the phone was completely out of, of it to him. And so mm-hmm. I got him into Athletico where it's, they do the active release technique. So it's not quite OSHA recordable. Mm-hmm. So you can still pay out of pocket. It's legal and doing that to getting him help. Because I knew if I put him through the traditional workers comp process, mm-hmm. where I get into a doctor, they say, you're off work for two weeks. Here's a specialist. He's not going to see that specialist before he goes home. Right. So at first he's like, well, I want to go see a real doctor. I was like, if I take you that way, I'm not going to get you better before you go home. My focus right now is not you missing hours. It's making sure you feel better before you go home. Mm -hmm. And it took him a little bit, but once we got him through some treatments and that kind of thing where he, he, he felt better. He was able to work a few more days before we went back because their big focus is work as many hours as they can so they can take that money home. Mm -hmm. Sure. But you have to approach each situation differently. So Mm -hmm. sometimes alternative treatment is a better treatment mm-hmm. and the telehealth is interesting too oh, it's it's, I, it's really expanded us, yeah yep i see it a lot of places now which i think and i think is fantastic that's actually mm-hmm. another question that's come up I, you guys know i don't know how, how many of you use dr wampler but he passed away and that's just mm-hmm. a huge vacuum yeah that's too bad that was really unfortunate of, yeah of occupational medicine that finding someone that doesn't just say how many days you went off Tim? okay yeah. <laughs> right, exactly and, and uh being yeah. able to work collaboratively with someone that mm-hmm. understands industry and understands getting people back to work well it was funny my wife she's a parent educator in lincoln public schools and she had her back injured by a student she a student came after her a special and special needs disabled student was having an episode was running around with a big plastic tote so he went to hit my wife with it and so she turned really quick and right as she turned he hit her right in the center of the back <laughs> And so, yeah, it strained her back pretty good, but she was going through the workers' comp process as an injured person, and there was no, like, resource for her. Like, they just sent her, here's all the forms you fill out, here's where you go, and it's like, what do I do? Yeah, navigate this. It was that, Mm -hmm. and so I was able to walk her through that, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, I was only able to do that because that's my job at Mm -hmm. White Castle, is Mm I am a resource to everybody, to both as a workers' comp coordinator to... uh, safety person she if she didn't have that she would have been so struggling like mm-hmm. in such a bad spot where here's what you need to ask them so that you can get back to work and get the treatment you need mm-hmm. and that's what i think some companies struggle with and organizations struggle with is there's people these are people they're not mm-hmm. like you can't just throw everything at them like here figure it out yeah. oh yeah exactly yeah. i'm fortunate to have a very good claims coordinator that is yeah, much, we much better in tune with that. Yes, than I am. I'm, because that, that's a great point, man. And um, 
we've talked about situations where we have an, an, an injured employee who does need some care and assistance and we just abandon them. You know, we just right. leave them to yeah. navigate that system themselves. And it's incredibly challenging. And I think as employers, you know, as human beings caring about our employees, helping them navigate that. I, I had Ron DeBoard on a long time ago, three years ago, talking about bringing his employees groceries because they couldn't get out of the house or checking in on them, physically checking Mm -hmm. them. This is the HR director periodically just to see if they needed anything, helping them with all of this hospital nightmare that is so challenging sometimes. And I think we forget that, you know, we have, we have a lady that does it for us that's, that just, she nails it, you know, and she's constantly, she's on top of it. Yeah. And I, but she does it so well that nobody realizes how mm-hmm. critical what she does is, yeah. you know, right. and it so, is a critical and she's piece. about to retire. I told her she can't until I do. So. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> right. it's gonna all going to go to hell when you're that's gone right. and they're going to realize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. I, I just went through that. our claims coordinator 15 years. I, I lived in fear of her retirement. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you can't ever. <laughs> she did. I, did we, she? Yeah, she did. And we got in incredibly fortunate we found someone internally that has oh, good. taken that role and just run with it and oh, good. done a fantastic job but, but yeah, it, it's that a certain person that does it. that's oh a very I can't long imagine. time i feel fortunate so. well, we're running up on time um somehow i'm gonna have to compile this information the things that you guys were mentioning put it together uh so people can access it if, if you are I, I shouldn't volunteer this but um if you have questions about anything the guys mentioned today let me know. You can email me and I will contact them rather than barrage them with requests. But I'll, maybe I can even send out the names of these different apps and utilities that you guys are involved in. Really fascinating stuff. Um, the last thing I want to ask before we adjourn is where do you get your information? What do you have a resource? Like, are you, do you read something? Do you listen to something? How do you, how do you find these new, ideas linkedin linkedin honestly that's i mean that's where i learned about ortho lives provider and other people and it's a resource i've had josh lowes mm-hmm. who just talked to him yesterday he, he a couple jobs he's been doing safety for them he's like hey he messaged me hey alex your guys aren't doing this mm-hmm. and so it puts eyes on my job sites mm-hmm. that they don't realize so it's it's an incredible resource and now he calls me but Good. that's one of those things i've learned a ton on linkedin and just it's I periodically check it a couple times a day and see like if you get into those safety groups or our Midwest mm-hmm. safety cooperative and seeing just the information from your network. Mm-hmm. There's so much mm-hmm. that we forget to tap into it sometimes, but we, we had done a program like that with the construction industry back when I was with OSHA back in the old David soul days when he was with Kiwit, we, we had a group of construction safety people who agreed that if I drive by your job site and I see your guys doing unsafely, I'll just notify you. Yep. Mm-hmm. It wasn't vindictive. It wasn't aggressive. It was just a, a it was just a courtesy, you know, to try to at least within the Omaha city limits, mm-hmm. try to keep a handle on some of these things. This was 15 or 20 years ago, but you know, I, I think we all appreciate that if it's delivered with the right intentions, yeah. you know, even if it's not, sometimes I guess we want to know about it, but. I was with Fallowich. We had a little thing. We called it Brothers Keepers, and we were just a bunch of subcontractors got together, roofers and all kinds of, of, mm-hmm. of us got together, made that agreement. We met about once a month for breakfast, and you know, we'd see each other. I mm-hmm. called uh, the one of the roofing contractors that was on there and said, hey, what are, your guys are up there, and he says, stay right there. Tell me what they do, and he called them up on the phone, <laughs> and I could see the supervisor up there without fall protection. He pulls his phone out, and then he starts looking at him. Yeah. The rat freak out there. That's right. Yeah. We, we tried to do something similar with, like, uh, serious safety violations among GCs mm-hmm. 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if I remove a roofer for a fall protection violation that they just can't hop over the other GC's job, that, you know, that mm-hmm. removal would be global. Right. Was that through AGC city. or something, perhaps? Or was it? Because I kind of remember yeah, that with AGC. It, it just didn't. There's just too many variables, yeah. It, yeah. you know, just didn't work out. But, um, you know, we're fortunate. Um, we have, obviously, we go to the AGC and the ASSE. You go to the different conventions and you hear kind of what's going on mm-hmm. and the newest things coming up and LinkedIn. Um, we've been fortunate to me. The more you can network with other people that do what you do. So I know our one insurance broker sets up a roundtable every year with about 20 larger GCs. and. Mm. Nice. And, you know, spend a couple of days talking through what's next, what what's working for you, what isn't. Get a lot of value from that. Yeah, 
I think and, the networking thing is yeah. really critical. And and then just empowering your people. And I think when they see that when they have ideas and you will run with them and do something with it, that encourages more. Most definitely. Awesome. Guys, this has been fantastic. I think we're going to have to do it again. Uh, there's so much information here. I'm going to actually have to go. I never listened to the episodes, but I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this and compile all this information because some of the things that you mentioned were, I think the utility of those things is just transcends all businesses, industries, applications, great stuff. Thank you very much. It's great to see you all. Um, have a good weekend. Guys, keep doing what you're doing. Take this information, run with it. I don't think there's any shame in stealing information. That's how we all. I was going to throw something out there. there yeah, I brought a form, just this non-routine task form that we set up at, at Airlight. The maintenance guys didn't like it. We haven't, it hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> it's crap, but it's a form. And mm-hmm. and I think it has some real merit. And I, it was just one of those things I didn't want to, I didn't push it that hard. We don't have a lot of non-routine tasks, but mm-hmm. uh, I brought that with me just to. But if somebody's looking for Somebody's looking for a, looking for a form. Yeah, by all means. Whatever, I'll, I'll have that. I, I think that may be the starting point for everyone who even can, if you haven't considered that in the past, at least formalizing your thought process is probably useful until you, that becomes a routine and then we can find something else. So, um, yeah, if you need any information, contact me, Doug at FletcherSafety.com. I will reach out to these guys. Um, I'll ask them if they can, you can contact them directly and see if that's okay with them. Otherwise this information is for everyone. Have a great weekend, everybody. Cam, thank you, my friend. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.